0: The arms of our Lord are open to us. May the whole world discover through us that that's true for anyone that would turn to him. We're, we're in a new series based on this fantastic book. If you don't have a copy, feel free to sign up for one. It's called One at a Time by Kyle Eidelman. And uh, so we, I just want to give that credit where it's due What an incredible book it is, and the series goes by the same name. I didn't sense any reason to disguise it. It's such a good book. We're calling this series, One at a Time, God's Unexpected Way to Change the World Through Us. Last week, we talked about what Jesus saw. And often, we discovered that again and again, even though Jesus ministered to the crowd, he... Fed the thousands he preached to thousands nevertheless he would often impact a life most dramatically when he became one-on-one with somebody he had a way of having a divine kind of zoom lens to see what God was either already doing in someone's life or somehow directed to that one in the crowd over and over again almost scandalously so, Jesus takes time for the one among so many. Jesus saw people. He was able to pick out the one that God was wanting to work in. But Jesus not only saw people, it rarely stopped there. He didn't just notice Almost always, Jesus did something. He saw someone. He did something. Now, I would like to describe what Jesus did with this phrase, and it's very carefully worded because I also think it could apply to us. Jesus did what he could do with God, For someone. Jesus did what he could do with God for someone. And I think we can do what we can do. I can do what I can do with God for others. Now, I also want to take into account that Jesus was the Son of God. The divine, fully divine, fully human Manifestation of God here on earth. I ain't that. Neither are any of us. So we've we, we've got to gauge this as we go. But Jesus would so often see people, be moved by compassion, and do something. I'm thinking of Matthew nine thirty four, where Jesus sees the multitude and sees them as as sheep that are uh, that don't have a shepherd and are downcast and, and, and not well cared for, and it breaks his heart. And what does he do? Do you remember? He turns then to his disciples, seeing this multitude that maybe if he spent the whole afternoon, he couldn't get to all of them one at a time. So he turns to the other 12 that were following, and he says to them, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends out workers into his harvest. What's Jesus saying? I need you to help me one person at a time. And if you read that passage again, the very next, remember, when it was first written, it wasn't divided up into chapters, right? It's just a continuous narrative, right? So if you go from the end of chapter 9 to the beginning of chapter 10, in that continuous narrative, apparently the disciples did pray that the Lord would send workers out into the harvest. We don't know that. But I imagine Jesus might have said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send out sends out workers into the harvest. And like so many times I and the rest of us do, we just listen for something from Jesus and go, hmm. Oh, you mean do it? You mean actually do it. Right now. And I can see the disciples kind of in an embarrassed way, realizing that Jesus was absolutely serious. And he wanted us to start immediately. And he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends out workers into the field for the harvest. And what do they do? I think they pray. And in the very next verses, what happens? Jesus sends them out to the multitude. And interestingly, it's there in Matthew that Matthew names the disciples one by one. And he sent them out. I bet they went and did some one-at-a-time ministry. But it started with prayer. Now, that's encouraging to me. Because so much of the time, I'll see someone, and I'll even hear in my heart, do something. But I don't know quite what to do. And I'm caught there in that moment, in that that tension. And I know you felt it too. You, you've seen someone, and you wondered, well, Do I intervene? And you almost hear in your spirit, do something. But so oftentimes, I silence that voice before I act. And I want us to maybe turn that around. Not silence the voice, but but to actually hear of it. Jesus sent those 12 out. They saw them, they prayed. They were like sheep without a shepherd. A shepherd looks to watch over the group of sheep, but he also has a zoom lens. Every night when the, when the sheep come into the corral or wherever they're kept, one at a time he'll lower his staff and they'll stop. And he'll examine them for wounds or anything else that needs healing. He'll apply oil at that moment and usher them into the rest of the crowd. Shepherds are excellent both to look over, to watch over one another in love, but also to one at a time. Be willing to touch a life. I, I like that Jesus told us to pray when he saw the crowd and saw and had compassion on them because all of, all of us can pray. I may not always know what to do, but I can pray for that person in that moment as I'm sitting in my car and wondering as they hold up their sign at the intersection what I should do. And before I know it, the light's turning green. I'm going on and I'm wondering if I missed it. I know that only happens to me. No, we we we've all had those kind of moments. We're 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 walking into church some Sunday morning and somebody just stands out to us. Maybe they're eating by themselves, taking in some breakfast, and we wonder, Lord. And we feel it in our spirit, don't we sometimes do something? Speak to them, engage. Hey, have you ever done that little trick, you know, where you turn you pick up the phone as if it rang and start a conversation? No, no one's ever done that. I'm just, I'm, I'm the only one that's ever done that. Okay, it's pastor confession time then I guess this morning. Yeah. But we see somebody right in that moment. Even, even if we don't know anything else to do, we can pray. We can pray. I remember when the kids were young. I didn't often ride with Cheryl when she took the kids to, to school and so forth. But the kids... I learned when I would occasionally take them somewhere and we would hear the the roar of a siren, you know, ambulance going somewhere. They'd ask me, Dad, why didn't you pray? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, Mom always tells us whenever we hear a siren to pray wherever it's going for whoever they're taking care of. It's a tough thing to be outdone by your wife as a pastor. (laughs) But they, they learned at an early age that if they couldn't do anything else they could always pray We can always at least pray for that one that we may not know exactly how to approach. And we can pray that God would send people across their paths, workers in that field, that will bring whatever seeds He's planted in their lives to harvest. And then if God moves us to be a cultivator or a waterer or someone who fertilizes something that He's already planted in their lives, then do that too. But we can always start as Jesus did with prayer and calling us to prayer. Jesus saw someone and Jesus did something. Think about all the times. He saw the woman at the well, but He didn't stop there, even though it was against social principles at the time for Jews to speak to Samaritans, for a man to speak to a woman in public. Nevertheless, He engaged her in conversation. He asked her for a drink. And then he gave her the drink of living water. He's passing through Jericho and he sees Zacchaeus way, the wee little man, way up in a tree. He sees him, but it doesn't stop there. He's not just amused by Zacchaeus. He stops in his procession through town and he says, Hey Zach, let's do lunch. The widow of Nain. He sees her with the crowd. She's mourning. It breaks his heart, but it doesn't stop there. He does something none of us could do, and I don't necessarily advise. He stops the funeral procession and gives the son back to his mother, his own mother at the cross. He sees her weeping, he sees her anguish, and he turns to his disciple John, the one that was perhaps most devoted to him, and he transfers that to her and he says, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. He's taking care of mom, even from the cross the woman that was caught in adultery. He, he sees her, but in this case, he actually bends down in the soil and distracts everyone else's attention from her most embarrassing moment in life. And he defends her before the crowd and he tells her that I don't condemn you. He saw her, but he did something. He, he saw the leper as he approached, but Jesus didn't run away. In fact, he touched him and he said, no, I, I want to heal you be clean he sees a rejected tax collector in his booth perhaps the only place in town that he was truly safe we, we've seen depictions of this in the chosen that day jesus came to matthew and to this rejected tax collector what does he do he picks him for his team there must have been incredible healing just, just in that. He not only sees him, but he does something. A fisherman mending his nets. And Jesus calls him to be a fisher of men. A, a, a powerful, and yet in this moment, powerful as a centurion, but powerless as a father whose daughter is dying. Jairus comes to him. And Jesus goes and does what only Jesus can do. And what Jairus is is. is, is powerless to do he raises his own daughter, raises jairus's daughter from the dead last week we looked at the woman with with uh, that was declared unclean because she had a bleeding issue and hemorrhaging issue for for years jesus healed her and then he restored her to the community he saw her but he did something the paralytic lowered to him through the roof He released him from his burdens. The first burden being the weight of his own body that his paralyzed legs could not carry. And even more important, the weight of his own sin that he could not cancel. Jesus had eyes to see those that the Father loves. But he didn't just see them. He did something. This morning, I want us to look at a particular passage of Scripture where Jesus picks out one among the crowd. He's been ministering to the crowds, I think it was in Capernaum at that time, and the disciples come and get him. He's gone away to a quiet place to pray. Hear what happens Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 35. And early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus rose and went out and departed to a lonely place, and he was praying there. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else. To the towns nearby, in order that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He had spent time with his father. He came away with a renewed sense of focus, purpose, of what he was to be about, not only in general, but in that very moment. His time with his father gave him purpose, but I don't think it just gave him purpose. I think it renewed his father's eyes because he carried now his father's heart, having spent time with him. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, teaching and preaching and casting out demons. The crowds are there, and then he sees the one. Verse 40. And a leper came to him, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, and saying to him, If you're willing you can make me clean here it is again and moved with compassion you know being moved with compassion as jesus defines it is not just something that you feel in your heart it's something that moves you to move to do something to engage to approach And moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand, and he touched him, a leper. And he said to him, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Now, I wish that God always empowered me, as he did Jesus here, to touch someone's life for healing. Let me confess that almost every time I see someone in a wheelchair, I was in a wheelchair for about a year. Every time I see someone in a wheelchair, something inside me goes, do something. And I would bet 90% of the time, all I do is pray from a distance. And that's fine. That's a beginning. But I wonder how many times if I continued to pray for that person, praying, God, do something through me, if God wouldn't first do something in me that lets me know exactly what to do. And I, I don't think I would ever know for certain. It would just be a compelling of the heart. It would be something I would do with faith. It would be something that I did with respect and, and, and not taking away anyone's dignity. I, I, I would want to do it in such a way that even if God didn't move with miraculous power, they would know the Father's heart for them. By how I prayed for them. I, 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 I may not have been moved to, to pray for their healing. That they would stand up and walk out of that wheelchair. But I could engage them in conversation. I would often see my dad talk to people in wheelchairs. And almost always this was his posture. I, I see you. He would uh, engage in that way, and that, that always struck me. Watched him do that at ORU when I was a student there. It meant so much to one particular student. Many people had been praying that morning in chapel, and they were turning to one another and pray. And Dad happened to notice as people turned to one another to pray, this guy in the wheelchair was left out of the exercise. Nobody turned to him, and I'm sure it wasn't anything that was thought about. Or maybe it was. Maybe someone felt uncomfortable asking a guy in a wheelchair to pray for them. But this young man said that dad came down off of the podium to where he was in the congregation of students that morning at ORU Chapel. And he got down on one knee, and he says, God wants you to pray for me. And the young man was a theology student. And though he did good work with his books, few people turned to him for actual hands on ministry. Maybe they thought it would be too much of a burden. But that young man remembers praying for my dad, and dad getting up from that moment with tears in his eyes and says, You have no idea how God just spoke through you to bless my life. And from that point on, this young man started praying for others, and the gifts of the Spirit followed in his life. Words of knowledge would come as he prayed. He blessed person after person after person after that moment. Sometimes we can't do what Jesus did necessarily. But my point is this morning, we can do what we can do. But I I think it requires us If we're going to be moved with compassion, not just our own empathy, but moved with the compassion of God, then we have to ask for God's heart and how He sees those people are often my, my position is to kind of be paralyzed and not knowing what to do. There's an image that lives with me from last Sunday's message that I think I'll carry forward with me from Kyle Eidelman. Do you remember when his daughter? He discovered his daughter had been uh, a dresser had fallen on her, and he, he they didn't know it. He gets up to her room to wake her up from the nap, and she's under the dresser. He he picks up the dresser and pulls the drawers off her, and she's swollen and she's blue and she's barely breathing, and he starts. Down the stairs, and he calls to his wife, and they get in the car, and he picks up his phone, and he's dialing 911. He'd never dialed 911 before, and it just rang and rang and rang. Nobody answered. Maybe he had the wrong number. Maybe he had 811. He didn't know. He dialed again. Still no answer. It just rang and rang and rang. He called 911 all the way to the hospital. No one ever answered. He walked into the hospital emergency room, and nobody seemed to know him. He's carrying the limp body of his two-year-old daughter and he said he looked around in that room and almost screamed can't anyone help my daughter don't you know that's our father's heart so many times he sees his daughter his son And the the people who are supposed to be those who are one with His heart and helping just miss it entirely. Could it be that from heaven over and over again the Spirit is speaking, God is speaking, God the Father saying, can't anyone help my son? Don't just walk past him. See him. Don't just walk past her. see, See her. See someone. And do something. You be my voice you be my hands let me encounter them through you let me do this work in you so that whatever you do you do with my heart I think Jesus saw the one because he had been with his father because he had his father's heart. And that's not just one occasion. Over and over again, Jesus goes to a lonely place to pray and he comes back with fresh vision and fresh power for what he's going to do. What God has called him to do. God worked in me. Let's see, where are we here? See someone, do something, God work in me, even as you work through me. Now, someone who illustrates that beautifully is Mother Teresa, but before we get to some saint that none of us can identify with, very few of us would consider ourselves priestly or nunly, you know? I, I'd like to lift up a woman to you that I know through this book by the name of Linda Wilson Allen. There she is. She's, she's featured on the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle some years ago. And she's a bus driver. She's a bus driver. But one of the reporters from the San Francisco Chronicle happened to use her metro bus. He, she always picked him up and would take him into work in the morning. And frankly, as he watched this woman work as a bus driver, what he saw made no sense to him. He watched as this woman, day after day, with all of the regulars, greeted them by name as they got on the bus. She would call them by name. And not only that, but when when an elderly woman was at the bus stop and she had groceries in both arms and she started for the bus, she seemed to know uh, uh, instinctively that this woman couldn't both hold the rail and hold her, her, her groceries. So she put the bus in park, got out of the bus, got down there on the street, grabbed her groceries, and took them on for her. Time after time, he would observe her doing things that really didn't make much sense to him. If he was the bus driver, he would have probably had his earphones in to some phone, right? I can see myself in that position with earpods in my ears and probably listening to some great podcast on Jesus' compassion. (laughs) One lady was new to town. She was getting on the bus for the first time. It was close to the holidays. And so this bus driver invited her for Thanksgiving meal. Who does that? And so he finally did an article about her. And the article caught the eye of a pastor in the area, one of the greatest writers of our time, I think. His name is John Ortberg. And John interviewed her in his church, having read the article. She was first of all asked, how is it that you developed this personality? And she says, well, my mood for the day is set by my prayer time, which has to be really early because bus driver's days are on kind of a different schedule than everybody else. But she says, for 30 minutes before I, I go to get my bus, I pray. I get down on my knees at 2.30 in the morning for 30 minutes. John asked, well, what do you say? What do you pray about? And she said, So, God and I, we talk. I ask God to show me my life so he, sh- so he shows me my life. He puts things in front of us, you know. He could be working on my patience or it could be someone less fortunate that I'm, you know, to give some shoes or, or whatever the case may be. He'll show you. That's where my kindness comes from. John asked, if, if she also prayed while she was on the job driving the bus. And she said, well, with my eyes open, yes, when I'm out there doing my job, ministering, she called it, you see things. God will show you things. He will show you the senior who's having a hard time getting up on the coach. And, and how to take it, the coach in real gentle and set it, down right in front of somebody who's challenged to to walk right there in front of her he'll teach you he'll show you the one who's in the back of the bus and might not have all their fare that day and he'll say maybe they just pay what they can he'll teach you these things he he just shows you notice she didn't call it driving she called it ministering she started with prayer And then she kept on praying. She might have prayed first with her eyes closed, but she went through the rest of the day praying with her eyes open, God, help me see someone. I love that story of Miss Linda. But I told you we were going to talk about Mother Teresa as well. Notice what she says here. Small things done with great love will change the world. That's a quote worth writing down. I'm glad Mother Teresa said it because I think somewhere Jesus said it. I don't don't know. That was his way. Small things done with great love will change the world. There's a story told of Mother Teresa while she was in Australia and working with some nuns there. She came to a a man, an aborigine man, who was living alone and living in absolute squalor. And as she passed his house, she greeted him. He not really knowing who she was at the time. she, She greeted him, and she saw him. But then she did something. She told him that she would be back To clean his house to wash his clothes and she'd be coming back the next day oh no ma'am you you, you don't need to do that for me no I'm, i'm and she persuaded him that she was coming she did just that she cleaned his house mess that it was in she was working on one of the lamps that was just covered with dust and she said don't you ever use this lamp and he said why would i use that lamp nobody comes to visit me and so after she left that place, she went back to her nuns and said, Could I have a couple of volunteers to drop by this address every afternoon? Every afternoon. She forgot about this man. Two years later, he sends her a message Tell my sweet sister that my light is on every night, and that her light still shines in my heart. Now that's Mother Teresa. If I was to come across a man living in that kind of squalor, I hope I would do more than pray. But I have a hunch, unless the Lord moved my heart, that it would be easy for me to walk right by. But this is—that was Mother Teresa, Chris. That's not fair. Yeah, but but look at what Mother Teresa did. Let me ask you: Can, can any of you clean a room? Can any of us wash some clothes? Can any of us drop by to visit so someone has to turn on their unused lamp? Right? None of that is something magnanimous that only someone who's uh, divinely empowered necessarily does. You know, it's nothing overly miraculous, is it? Mother Teresa did what she could do with God for someone else she did what she could do right now that just releases me if i walk past a homeless person on the street i don't have to fix the homelessness problem problem in tulsa to do something you know i i I can i can go through taco bell and get a few tacos and a drink and drop it back off when i come by I can be like a friend of mine, and he keeps a bag of apples behind the, the, the passenger seat so whenever he sees someone who's homeless, he can at least offer him an apple. Something to eat. He does what he can do with God for someone else. Let's not let it stop with just seeing someone. Let's do something. Now I hope you heard the secret ingredient in in Linda's life. Kind of the the special sauce that makes seeing someone and doing something that much easier. Linda prays. And she keeps praying. Her, Her day is a conversation long that starts with Jesus in the morning and continues throughout the day. Strangely enough, Mother Teresa does the same thing. And when someone asked her about the great things that she does and loves, she says, really, I don't do anything that that's great. She said, it's not about me. She said, I am a pencil in God's hand. He does the thinking. He does the writing. He's the author of it all. He moves my, I'm just a pencil in his hand doing what I can do. God works in me. And then God works through us. Well, I I still struggle a little bit with uh, someone as magnanimous as Mother Teresa and me doing things like she does. Well, we, we don't necessarily have a Mother Teresa here at Abiding Harvest, but we do have a Mother Terry. And I remember a couple of years ago we had just built the AMAC, you know, and it was all spanking new and clean, smelled good. Even even the bathrooms and the locker rooms, you know, it was just it was brand new. Had that new car smell. You know what I'm talking about? And one night a truck showed up in our parking lot. And oftentimes, you know, Terry and I may be here after dark and I'm kind of the protective type, so I wanted to know who this character was. So we had a conversation. I think Terry went with me, and we discovered this guy was a Domino's pizza delivery guy. And I said, did we order any pizza? And he said, no, sir, but my my truck just broke down. And it limped in here, and I'm not sure I can get it started again. And it was like this, maybe February, freezing cold outside. And uh, I think that first night, and we, had, we had the conversation on the second night. The first night we just noticed the truck, it was still there the next morning and then it was gone. And, th- and then he came back, I'm trying to remember the details of this. And the next night he told us that he had slept in his car, 15 degrees outside, all night because he had no place to go. Terry and I had more conversations with him. We found out that his trailer had burned to the ground, and he had no place to go. And then Terry just made a couple phone calls. She called Carlos. Hey, can you come get his truck running, which Carlos did. I think we put a battery in it because of the Provident Fund that you guys provide to help people when they're in need. But when we heard that he was sleeping in that truck all night, Terry and I looked at each other, and, you know, I'm the pastor of the church. I have much responsibility. (laughs) So I'm thinking crowd think. I'm thinking we can't do anything for him we couldn't do for everybody. We're going to set a precedent here, and this is a brand-new gym. God didn't call us to open a homeless shelter necessarily. And then Terry looked at me like, are you kidding And I rethought that. And I said, Okay, let's put him in the youth room. It's gonna stink before long anyway. Let's 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 put him put him in the youth room, right? Let's let's put him in the youth room. She brought an air mattress from home. We we got some sheets and some blankets. Ran to Walmart and got some toiletries that he didn't have. We've got a shower right there just next door. And so we wouldn't get the pastor in trouble. I said, my only requirement is every day by 7, you need to be leaving for work. He just thanked us profusely. And what started out as a few days stay ended up to be a week and and then two weeks. And I was starting to get nervous. When is he going to bump into someone? And I have to explain all this, right? But this was an incredible guy. He came to church those Sundays. Sat in here with us. We loved him like he was family. We treated him like he was family. We just did what we could do. We weren't out to reorient his life necessarily. We were just loving him in practical ways. Things we could do. Bring an air mattress. Get some toiletries. Right? A month ago, I drove by the McDonald's closest to my house. And I made my order for my Diet Dr. Pepper and my sausage egg biscuit, <laughs> paid for it, and went to the next window. And that guy looked at me and kind of took off his glasses and looked down into my car, and he says, you don't remember me, do you? And I did. I said, yeah, two or three years ago, you were shacking up in our gym, weren't you? And he said, yeah, that was me. I said, well, it's so good to see you again. And he gave me his name again. And without saying a word, he said, you know, I I need to get back to your church. Who would guess that toothpaste and shampoo could turn a heart back to God? Right? But that's the prevening grace of God. Somehow, God had, uh, this guy had seen all of that care that Terry mostly poured out upon him as, as the touch of God. He wanted to come back church so whether it's mother Teresa or mother Terry or put your name in there there's something that we can do when we really see someone and let the compassion of God move our heart we've all had those moments where we've had sightings of the one and we've heard perhaps in our own spirit do something but we don't always know what to do. It's easy to ignore that message. And if we continue to ignore that message, it's easy to silence the voice. So how do we turn that around? I think we do what Jesus did. Next slide. We we see someone and we do something not some magnanimous thing necessarily but what we can do in that moment with the time that we've got move towards the mess not away from it move towards the person not away from them engage not ignore see someone and do something and if that's our plan as simple as as it is see someone do something then our prayer can be this. Lord, do something in me that you might work through me. But let me add this to it. Not only do something in me that you might work through me, but work with me. And when God works with you to touch someone else's life, some things can be done that you can't do. If we continue to listen to His Spirit in that way, we're off the hook. We do what we can do, but we keep our eyes open for what God might do. We had a women's retreat yesterday, and the women brought food, and they brought devotions, and everybody was doing what they could do. But in the midst of all that, God did something that only God could do. There was a young lady, lady named Grace she happens to go to Victory Christian Center, and she is a dancer. And she, she had uh, wounded ankles, from what I understand. She, she could not dance, and she was bummed out that she couldn't go with her group to perform or to uh, worship. She may have been a church worship dancer. I'm not exactly sure. But her, her mom told her, well, since you can't go, why don't you accept Miss Lene's invitation to just go to the women's retreat. So she showed up, not even knowing if she wanted to show up, not even knowing why she was there. Cheryl, months earlier, had said, Terry, I'm just feeling this, this uh, what did she call it, a swelling in her heart that somewhere in that women's retreat, we ought to release Lene and others that have God's work through them and gifts of healing just... To touch someone. I don't know how it works into the program. I don't know how they worked it into the program. I don't even know any of the details, but I do know that she was prayed for. And when she prayed when she was prayed for, though she could hardly walk on these ankles, this is what happened. It's okay to be okay. And I had to just be like, okay, God, you have a time and a place for me. I'm just gonna do my best to listen. I mean, it was I almost didn't come
1: today
0: I almost didn't come today But the reason I didn't The reason I came today Was because I couldn't go to my competition Because of my pain And It's funny how my pain led me to my healing It's crazy Come on, dance for the Lord Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Great is your faithfulness, Father. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow. God can work in us and through us and with us. Amen. With us. Aren't you glad that I showed it to you in video instead of trying to act it out here, <laughs> up here myself? God wants to use all of us. But so often He does a work in us, creating that kind of compassion, that kind of freedom, that, that, that kind of initiative in our hearts first before He does something through us, even if it's just something that we do in our own strength but with His heart, something we could do, Or if it's something that we do so with God, that God, working with us, does something only God can do. Lord, help us see someone. Help us do something. And Father, our prayer is, Lord, work through me, but first work in me. And then, Lord Jesus, work with me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God, open our eyes this week that we might see someone before we return and tell the story of what you did through us after that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning? (laughs) Let let me, before we start our worship time, just let this also be a time of invitation. Uh, Some of you want to be a part of a body like this, just ordinary people with an extraordinary God. If you would walk this journey with us, know that the doors of this church are open. And we invite you to come. Join this church as you give your heart to our Lord. In Jesus' name, you're invited. Amen. Let's sing.